Welcome back to Nate the Hate. Be sure to like and subscribe to the video and follow us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Leave a review on those platforms if you listen to us there. And I am once again joined by my co-hosting mate, MVG. What's up, Nate? Great to be here. It has been a while. We have been absent for a little while because not much has happened. There's but- no news, man. No news to talk about. <laughs> Luckily, that's that's changing because we have a couple of Switch companies who becoming a little more vocal about their upcoming projects for the platform and we have specifically two companies we have saber interactive who is responsible for the witcher 3 and virtuos who has ported titles like starlink dark souls the outer worlds xcom 2 final fantasy 10 and 10 2 ellie noir and the recent bioshock trilogy and the borderlands handsome collection to the switch and well, we also have a disappointing release on Switch with Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. And I guess we could say all of the releases over this last week or so are, they range from high to low mm-hmm. in terms of quality. So we're going to talk about exactly what goes into porting and why we see such a range of quality from these releases. And I think a good place to start is. We'll start with Virtuos because they just dropped seven games on the Switch this week. Crazy. Yeah, 2K, they said they loved the Switch, and they dropped a lot of love with the Bioshock collection, Borderlands 1 and 2 with the, what's it, the pre, pre-sequel, prequel, or whatever yeah. they dubbed it with a weird marketing term, and then XCOM 2, a title that was thought by many an impossible release for the Switch platform, but Virtuos proved it was reality, and... I mean, what would you say is the quality of the ports that you have played from this mass of 2K releases? (laughs) Well, I've played all of them. Um, Not, and I'll be, you know, I haven't like played through them or anything like that. I think if anyone said that they've played and completed everything, that they'd be lying to you. But I've played all the games and I would say an overall score is above average i mean virtuos have done a a pretty good job on on each of these i guess i want to talk about all three of them individually but i'll, I'll be brief on on each of them but uh and i'm going to kind of treat treat uh, bioshock as, as one one kind of thing even though there's three games bioshock is is i'll say it's a a good port like it's not anything that that i was blown away by and some people may be a little confused at that, and I guess you know my reasoning there is is that it um, it's it it's, gets the job done. It's serviceable. It works. It runs at thirty frames. It looks good um, in handheld and dock mode. You know, it's obviously running at a lower resolution, and having that Bioshock experience on the go is obviously very awesome to have. So, you know, I'm happy with the, the Bioshock port. Um, I have done some frame rate captures and stuff, and for the most part, it's it's locked at 30. There are some dips here and there, but there's really nothing to be, you know, concerned about. I mean, Virtuos did a great job there. And then Borderlands, same thing. Um, I, I took a look at Borderlands 2, which I guess is probably the most um, taxing out of those games. And again, looks good, plays good. But, you know, but we've got to remember, Nate, that Borderlands 2 was available on the playstation vita like years and years ago you know (laughs) albeit wasn't a particularly great port but you could see that there was an an avenue to run these unreal engine 3 games on handheld systems that had lower specs lower battery you know lower performance so it made sense that that this port finally comes to the switch and i think the most surprising and impressive one for me is XCOM. And that is simply because of the CPU requirements that the PC version of the game needs in order to run well. And they managed to pull this off on the switch. And and for me, that's, that's the one that I would say technically is the most impressive. And, you know, there's, there's more that I want to kind of uncover on that port to see, you know, how, how things were done. But look, overall, I mean, it's a pretty good, you know, May 29 of, of these, you know, seven releases, essentially. And, you know, fans of those styles of game should be should be very happy with what they're seeing on the Switch. What do, what do you think about uh, the ports? The ports, 
they leave me a little mixed because like, I've played all three of the Bioshock games, and for the most part, they do. They they look good in undocked mode. They looked good docked, but at the same time, as I'm was looking at them, like they look good, but I also wasn't impressed mm. because the more I really examined them, it became apparent to me that while playing in docked Bioshock and Bioshock Two, and I would say even Infinite. They are not 1080p. Yeah. And I would go as far as to say when I'm playing Undock, they're probably 540p. I don't think they're hitting Definitely. 720p. So, like, that in and of itself isn't necessarily, you know, it's not an end-of-the-world thing. It was a little disappointing. But as I looked at them more, like, it's very clear that they are based on the remastered ver- versions of these games. So re- Virtuos did bring the Bioshock collection to Switch. They didn't just take the Xbox 360 version or PS3 version and bring that over. So, you know, kudos to them for actually using the PS4 and Xbox One versions of these releases. And, you know, it's also the games are 30 FPS compared to 60 FPS that the PS4 and Xbox One had, which isn't necessarily, you know, a bad thing either, as long as the games run at a stable 30 frames a second. It's when you have those, if they targeted 60 and we had fluctuations of 45 mm-hmm. and such, that would have been a more disappointing experience. So I can accept 30 frames a second, especially for games like these. The Bioshock games are slower titles. They're not overly, you know, they're not action heavy. It's more of a narrative driven game where combat and such just play a side role into the experience. So I think they are good ports, they're quality. If you've never played the Bioshock games, this is a fine place to start on the Switch if you never had access to them on other platforms. So I would definitely recommend them. But- is it is it a good place to start, though? I mean, you could pick up the Bioshock collection on Steam for probably... <laughs> five bucks or ten bucks or something like that probably not that cheap right. you know what i'm saying like you can you could go yeah. to a GameStop and, and get a, a used copy of it on the ps4 for a lot cheaper than than this i guess it's more of a case of like if switch is your primary platform then you know this may be your only option and these releases are fine if this is the only way for you to play them but i mean you can play them portably and portably it does run well it looks good enough. It's not like offensive to the eyes or anything. So if portable is your main way of experiencing games on Switch, this is the best way to get it. The PS4 version is obviously the superior visual and performance-wise. But if you're probably looking at these Switch ports, you likely don't have a PS4 or an Xbox One because you would have bought the collection already. Or maybe you're just curious to play the games handheld. So there is reason to pick up these ports. Like, I don't... I would definitely recommend them to people. There's nothing inherently poor about them. Right. Now, the Borderlands games, they're pretty much what I expected. I mean, they run well. They look good. They have Gyro, which was a pleasant you know, addition. I don't know why the Bioshock games didn't get that, especially if Virtuos took the time to implement Gyro into the Borderlands games. Hopefully a patch comes to Bioshock in the future. And, you know, it's another... It has in-game voice chat, mm-hmm. which is amazing because... A lot of uh, Switch games omit voice chat altogether, so it's nice that if you are going to play Borderlands Online, you just throw in your headset and you can chat with your party. You don't need to use the phone app or anything like that because Nintendo seems to have forgotten the phone app themselves. (laughs) Right. And then we have the XCOM, which it's, it's impressive in its own right. Yeah. But I'm not overly impressed with it. I mean, the visuals are heavily compromised. Mm-hmm. They look like plastic soldiers. Yeah. Which, I mean, XCOM isn't a beacon of realism to begin with, but something's definitely been lost in the transition. And, I mean, it kind of takes it to the point of where Virtuos put out an interview this week where they boasted their abilities and they said that they have no doubt that Switch adaptations can be worked for games on any of the current generation of consoles. That's a big statement to make, isn't it? Yes, because the games they have brought over to the Switch thus far have either been ports of last-gen releases or the current-gen games only include Starlink, The Outer Worlds, Right. And XCOM 2 with... So it's kind of like you've only 
handled a few yeah. current gen games, but you're saying you can do any current gen game, which I mean, we've had a few impossible ports come to the Switch. I mean, XCOM 2 being one of them. But as I kind of said, I don't think the quality of the XCOM 2 port is overly high to the point where I would say, wow, these guys really can do anything. We have to remember that Bioshock has been around for a long time. The first game came out in 2007. You know, it was kind of right smack in the middle of the PS3 and 360 era of games. And then the sequel came out a couple of years after that. It's been a while, right? Yeah, it's been a while. So, you know, it's one thing to look at... And I want to I want to be clear, you know, with with the listeners, we're not we're not here ragging on on Virtuos. They've done an amazing job with with these ports. But I think I think Nate, you bring up an interesting point about the I guess the the articles that they've they've you know been quoted on as saying that they can do anything you know this gen and 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 what whatnot. But if you look at look at what they've done, most of it is is last generation stuff. Which again is is great to see come over to the Switch, but you know the Unreal Engine three stuff we already know comes across onto the Switch pretty well. You know, you mentioned XCOM two, that one's that one's kind of the odd man out here in this kind of trilogy of, of games that came out today from Virtuos because it's it's one of those games where it's it's like a PC game. You know, it's like it's like. PC Master Race, you're going to buy a fast PC. XCOM is going to be one of those games that you use to like benchmark, you know, to see how fast your PC is. So how does that really work on the Switch? You know, what's the audience look like? Is there really an audience for the XCOM games on the Switch? Now you could say, well, Mario versus Rabbits was, was popular. Yes, it was. And that is absolutely an XCOM game, but it was an XCOM game in a very much a console switch friendly way where anyone that didn't know anything about these styles of games could easily pick up and play XCOM 2 on the other hand is a lot more kind of tactical it's more complicated there's a lot more menus to you know traverse through there's a lot more strategy look I'm sure there's an audience of of players that will absolutely love playing XCOM 2 on the switch but I do question why that was one of the, the three games that came out. I love the XCOM series, but it is a very hardcore, tactical, unforgiving strategy RPG. If you make one minor mistake, the AI will punish you. And that audience of gamer, I don't think there is an abundance on the Switch platform. Like, as you referenced the Rabid, Mario Rabbid release... That was a lighthearted, happy-go-lucky, kids-first strategy RPG type game. Mm-hmm. It had the basic mechanics of, you know, the hit percentage and such over the cover. But XCOM is a game where I can be right in front of the alien, standing point blank with a shotgun, and my hit percentage could be seventy-five percent. And you know, all of a sudden you miss that twenty-five. You know, you miss with that twenty-five percent, and the alien kills you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's a frustrating experience. It was also a very taxing game on PC and even PS4 and Xbox One. It was a game that those systems struggled to run. And when I look at it on Switch, it runs at 60, you know, 60 FPS. You know, that's amazing. I can't believe they actually got the performance up there. But then I look at the environments and the character models, and you can tell how extreme some of the visual cutbacks had to be to get this game running at 60 FPS. And a game like XCOM, it's still it's a slow-based game. I would have been fine with 30 frames a second because it's a strategy RPG. It's grid-based movement. Yeah, You're not moving quickly. So cut it down to 30 FPS and boost those visual effects to a higher level. Because when I look at it now, it's it's not ugly but you can you look at it and it just it looks dated especially when you compare it to the other versions and i mean virtuals did the best they could with the time allotted to them and you know bravo for them to getting the game up to this playable state and i think that's actually a good segue into the idea of any game can be ported to switch just as virtual set we can port any current gem game but it relies on three key factors time Mm -hmm. investment 
and feature set. Yep. And all the games that Virtual has ported over to the Switch this week from XCOM, Bioshock, and Borderlands, they're all utilizing Unreal Engine. This is an engine that actually Unreal 3 is not natively supported on the Switch. We've only had a handful of Unreal 3 games on the platform, and those include Rocket League, the Outlast series, and Mortal Kombat 11. And these all perform to varying levels of success. The Outlast ports are excellent. They were Mm -hmm. done in-house. Rocket League got better over time from the people at Panic Button. And Mortal Kombat 11 is... It's not a bad release. I don't think anyone would look at it and say that it's horrible unless you're playing crypt mode where there is no skyline for some reason. <laughs> yeah. They, but, like, the character models and such look good. And when you take all those factors into account of the time, the investment, and feature set, you really have to look at what games are on current-gen platforms and say, can I bring that over to the Switch? And if I do... At what cost is it going to be? Like, the biggest release we have is The Witcher 3. This was the original. This is impossible. It cannot run on the Switch. CD Projekt Red proved a lot of people wrong. And, you know, they assisted. They had assistance from Saber Interactive, who did a splendid job on that port. And a lot of people look to Saber now as the beacons of what can be done when it it comes time for a Switch port. Mm. And I want to give CD Projekt Red credit where credit is due. They were a big role in that port. It wasn't purely on the folks at Saber Interactive, who did a you know an excellent job in their own right. But without the guidance of CD Projekt Red, you kind of have to wonder, would this port have been possible? They likely investigated it themselves, got a working demo up, and then kind of explored they looked for a studio who could handle the port saber was it yep and then it came time to do the actual work and they gave saber enough time they gave them enough money they let them learn their engine and such so they could make this port possible and we don't see that from every studio we see a lot of ports that are rushed yeah and it's been the common phrase that we see on forums YouTube videos and comment section is, well, that studio is just lazy. No development studio is lazy. It always will come back to those three things. If I ask for a port and I say, you have eight months, we're, we're going to give you, you know, a million dollars to do it. Well, that port's probably not going to be that good. You're rushing us and you're not giving us a lot of money, which means I can't have a lot of hands on. If you give us adequate money and you give us, you know, let's say, let's say 18 months. That is probably going to be a high quality port. We have time to properly test it. We can explore solutions like they did with The Witcher 3. They explored numerous avenues to get, you know, the foliage, the foliage and stuff running to get the wind to see what could we have in here in terms of features and effects and how did it run? And then say, okay, well, when we have this active, the resolution drops. Yeah. What happens if we cut this and does the resolution go up? Yes. Okay. Well, what's more important to the narrative and the experience that we're trying to deliver? Sometimes it's resolution. Sometimes it's effects. But as long as you have that time to explore and experiment and actually contemplate what is important, you get a higher quality port. And when I look at the virtuous set of ports that we just got, I feel like they were given just enough time. Ten months, I think they said, um, or around ten months. It's not a bad amount of time, yeah. but it would also explain why we don't have Gyro and Bioshock, why HD Rumble wasn't implemented in a meaningful way and it's just set to high on the Joy-Cons, and why we didn't see you know those type of features. It was basically, how long is it going to get you to get these games running? Right. Okay, cool. Test it, package it, release it. A game like XCOM probably could have used another six months in the oven. Allow them to fine-tune things. And that's a game that probably would have needed it. I don't think XCOM had to drop today with Borderlands and Bioshock. Yeah, I agree. I I think they probably could have 
held that one a little back a little and, and maybe just added some more polish to the game before releasing it? When we look at all the ports and you really factor in all of those elements, it explains why some ports are horrific. Mm-hmm. Some ports are high quality. I mean, The Witcher 3, I would say, is the upper echelon of what we should expect in terms of port quality. Like, yes, when it launched, the resolution was low. But then we got a patch a few months later where they allow us to tweak all sorts of effects. We can add sharpening. We can turn on AA or turn off AA. We can do so many things. And that's amazing to have a game that has so many options. Yeah, it's it's basically, you know, the, the PC graphics features that you get on, on the console, which is not something you normally get on console games. They tend to lock those things away from, from the user. So it's it was actually very refreshing to see them um, you know, bring that into the game. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Yeah, and now we have aside from Virtuals, we also have Saber Interactive who did The Witcher 3 and they're kind of hyping up their upcoming releases because right now they're porting over two games to Switch. One is World War Z, and the other is Crisis Remastered, mm-hmm. which they are co-developing with EA. And they did an interview where they said, we do feel there is more developers can get out. We feel there is more developers can get out of the Switch hardware, and we think fans will be surprised at some of the upcoming titles for it. So now, I mean, that's a vague statement. But by saying <laughs> we think fans will be surprised, yeah, it makes it sound like you're porting a demanding game to the Switch. Right. And, I mean, I still look at... I look at current-gen games that are remain exclusive to PS4 and Xbox One. And I'm not sure which ones I can see feasibly be port over to Switch without heavy compromise well let's maybe um let's talk about a few of them real quick so the heavy hitters right you've got red dead redemption 2 right you've got (laughs) what else is there like grand theft auto or gta for gta 5 um you know one of the resident evil games resident evil 3 (laughs) let's say you know tomb raider shadows of the tomb raider you know the big games that have big graphical fidelity and and use up a lot of gpu horsepower will they will they are they feasible to run on a switch we know that virtuous is the master of last gen stuff (laughs) current gen stuff that is a different different thing altogether now again unreal engine 4 does run on the switch so technically yes i mean code could be retargeted essentially to run on the switch but where it gets tricky is, and if you look at the article that um, that Virtuos uh, was interviewed for, the the lead producer was talking about the biggest kind of hurdles they had was the Switch's memory size. So most PC games or console games will will take advantage of, we'll say, seven to eight gigabytes of of memory space. The Switch only has four gigabytes of memory space. And from that, there's only 3.2 available. So you really have to start making some hard decisions about what needs to get cut in order to fit your game into, we'll say, 3.2 gigabytes of memory. And that's where things get tricky. Now, last gen, that isn't as hard as as current generation. When you've literally got games like Red Dead 2 that fit on two Blu-ray discs, right? Um, and you've got grand theft auto which is which is a massive game as well that you know take 
50, 60, 70 gigabytes of space, trying to get those games, you know, pared down would take a lot of time and investment. Now, you mentioned the the Sabre CD Projekt Red kind of relationship. Dude, you're absolutely right. CD Projekt Red invested millions and millions of dollars in getting that Switch port. They, th- there's no two ways about it. You know, even the, the cartridge size. I mean, everything was done yes. under their guidance and supervision and under their budget. You know, they, they had, and I don't know this if this is a number, but they had $100 million, right, for the Switch project. That would include everything. And, and that's what they put towards that. Many of these studios don't have anywhere near that budget. Many studios that do ports essentially are given a zip file of the source code and and told, l- let us know when you're done, you know. Now, I'm being a little unfair right. because there's there's a lot of, you know, ongoing meetings that occur during that time. There's checkpoint meetings and touch bases and, and a lot of back and forth. But you know what I'm saying? The porting <laughs> process is not a a standard across every single developer it's it's completely different you know if you compare how virtuos panic button cd project uh saber interactive and we'll say monolith soft handle their their ports and i yes i am including that um xenoblade chronicles definitive edition as a port it would be a completely different workflow for each of those companies because the porting process is is not a standard thing it it really depends on how you approach it. And like you said, how many people are available and how much money has been invested into it? How much How much of Nintendo's, you know, uh, top leads and, and tech people that know the hardware ins and outs and how to make the hardware absolutely sing for you do you have? You know, if you think about, I'm getting off on a tangent, but if you think about the PlayStation 3, we're talking about the days of Naughty Dog, how they went from Uncharted 1 to Uncharted 3, the absolute massive jump in quality that you saw between those games. I mean, that wasn't just Naughty Dog that that did that. They had they had Sony technical staff on hand known as the Ice Team that would help them tweak and and get the absolute best performance out of those games you know and so it all goes back to how much time and and more specifically money that that's you know being thrown into these projects and i think virtuos they found a sweet spot with you know investment and and time to get some of these ports out but i do think that if we thought if we're talking about current generation ports we'll just throw red dead redemption 2 as as something that that we would call a current port to the switch that would be considered a impossible port that would cost millions of dollars. I I would say that would be more, more aggressive than the Witcher three in so many ways. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot there to kind of really think about, not just, Hey, just port this, port this and, and come back, you know, 12 months from now and let us know if you've, if you've done it, you know what I mean? I think one of the fallacies that a lot of people believe is that they look at the Switch and they say, oh, well, it runs Unreal 4. That means we can get Kingdom Hearts 3 and Final Fantasy 7 Remake and any game that runs on Unreal 4 can easily be ported to the Switch or, you know, any in-house engine from a third-party developer, be it Ubisoft's Anvil or, you know, what have you, or even like The Witcher 3. The Witcher 3 is using a slightly older version of the engine that Cyberpunk 2077 is using. So people immediately assume, well, Cyberpunk can now come to Switch if The Witcher 3 did. And that's simply not the case. You have to do a lot more. It's not just about the engine. Like, yes, the Switch does have Unreal Engine 4, which means it has the same feature set that Final Fantasy VII Remake uses. But then... You still have to factor in, like the use of memory. Mm-hmm. How much? Mu- how much of the asset is being loaded into the RAM? What's the CPU usage? What's the GPU usage? Can it actually? Can it be ported? Yeah. Yes, in a form, it can be ported. Cloud may look like what he did on the PlayStation One, and Midgar may look like the pre-rendered backdrops in low resolution, and maybe to some developers or some publishers, they may look at that quality and say that's good enough we can release that 
to a good publisher, they would look at that release and say, this isn't up to our standards. And that's an insult to our customers if we release a product in that state. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to do that. And that's the thing I see a lot of people continue to reference is just the engine say, oh, this runs on the this runs on the switch. This game can happen. It's not that cut and dry. Right. There are so many other elements at you know at play, and I mean we already see a lot of subpar switch ports happen. Whether it's low resolution, poor frame rate, unstable frame rate, sometimes bad resolution and bad frame rate, like we saw with Arc a game that looks like a muddled N64 game, which never should have been ported to the platform. But it was, I mean, that's a release that I would view as a publisher. Yeah. So the popularity of Switch, they looked at their game, said, well, this is popular on other platforms. Let's exploit the customer base and make some easy money. We know the game is trash. We know we invested next to nothing into the port. But if we can sell a few thousand copies, we'll make our investment back. And, you know, we're rolling in the green while our, you know, the consumer sitting there saying, what did I just buy for $60? Yeah. And, and those are the type of business practices that the consumer should not support. But we're always going to have that happen. So when games like Final Fantasy Remake or even, we'll say Resident Evil 2 Remake or Resident Evil 3, it's not that Square and Capcom are deliberately ignoring the Switch. They may very well be prototyping these games in-house and looking at them saying, well, we got Final Fantasy VII Remake running. The problem is it's 500p docked, mm -hmm. and we're at 30 FPS, and we have significant load times, and we have a lot of popping. Yep. We don't think that's the quality of this release, and that's not the caliber of our brand. The yep. same could be going on at Capcom. They may have tried to port over something like Resident Evil 7 before they did the cloud version, and maybe it just didn't run at what they felt was you know, adequate to justify an eShop or retail release. Yeah. And if that is the case, we should applaud them. Dude, you you one hundred percent like some of the things you've said have just really resonated with me. So a few things to, <laughs> to mention. So it's no secret that I've been involved in the homebrew community and, and scenes in the past. And I've done I've done ports, right? I've I've been responsible for doing my own ports. I have the same mindset. Like there's been times where I've tried to work on something, porting something and the level of performance just wasn't wasn't where it needed to be. So it stays on the hard drive. It it, it never gets released because I'm not going to release it for, for that reason. Like if I'm going to release something, I expect a good level of performance and make it and for it to look at a certain level of quality, right? So yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of studios would would have the same mindset, and that's why you see, you know, ten years from now when a collector finds a PlayStation 4 or a Switch dev kit and it has a unreleased beta of some game that was never released. I mean, that's the reason why a lot of these studios are indeed, you know, working on these projects, but I don't want to say many of them, but some of them never come to light for that particular reason because A, the funding ran out and, you know, there was more important things to to work on or some, some new uh, project came up that was high priority or B, they couldn't get the amount of performance that they were looking for and they just kind of decided to leave it as, as it was and move on to something else. So I totally get that. And I think that's a, a part of of any development life cycle in, in video games that is something that people really need to think more about because, you know, for each for each game that has been successfully shipped, there is there is one or two games every year that just never make make the cut for that reason, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, I think that's a, just an area that people often overlook. Like, we often hear the conversation of, why hasn't Take-Two brought Grand Theft Auto V over to the Switch? And there were plans to do it. The problem, especially back in 2017, 2018, hell, even today, is that Grand Theft Auto V and GTA Online are significant games. They require a lot of space. Yep. And a 32 gigabit game card is still an extremely expensive venture for a publisher to take to release a Switch game. In the case of The Witcher 3, they went the 32 gigabyte route and it worked out for them. The game has sold 
well over 750,000 copies. And that was just in the first three months. So now we're many months you know, removed from that. So the game is likely over a million sold worldwide. It worked out for CD Projekt Red. There's no guarantee that if Grand Theft Auto V with GTA Online came to the Switch, that Take Two and Rockstar were going to see that same level of success while spending a substantial amount of money to get a 32 gigabyte game card. I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous to say that Grand Theft Auto V wouldn't find success on the Switch. It more than likely would. But one thing we have to keep in mind here is that GTA Online is really the cash cow mm-hmm. for Rockstar. It's not Grand Theft Auto V itself. People are buying Grand Theft Auto V to get GTA Online. Yep. So if GTA Online had any type of performance issues on the Switch, they would actually have to look at that release and say, can we justify releasing just Grand Theft Auto V without the online aspect on Switch? I yes, think that would it, be a I think that would be a very risky move if they if they considered <laughs> that, honestly. Like it would have sold. Oh yeah. But how much would the investment have been to port the game? Then the game card cost. Now you're getting into you know, you're getting into a territory of if you have to sell, let's say, half a million copies to break even, that is, that's a gamble. Not because the Switch's user base isn't active, but for every successful third-party game there is, there's an equally quali- you know, high-quality third-party release that didn't sell well. And you never want to be that company who invests millions and millions of dollars and your game underperforms, because now I'm going to go back to the drawing board and say... Well, maybe the Switch isn't that software selling, you know, cash cow that we envisioned. And, you know, for a company like Kid, could Rockstar take the hit? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Would it be, you know, maybe an act of goodwill to get GTA 5 on there? Maybe, you, you know, you're willing to take that gamble? Yeah. But at the same time, their, their games has sold. I think Grand Theft Auto 5 is what, upwards of 150 million units yep. between. PS3 and the PS4 generation. So, I mean, they know what they're doing. They know where the money is. And I don't blame them for maybe being hesitant, especially a few years ago when, I mean, who really knew where the Switch was going? And unfortunately, the Switch's online situation hasn't really improved. I mean, Nintendo's Switch online service is weak in features, and we don't have specifics in terms of how the digital distribution of DLC and microtransactions are doing on the platform. All we can really look to, and I hate to use this company as the prime example, is EA. EA does not support the Switch in a meaningful way. Yes, they're going to bring a few more releases this year in the form of Burnout, Paradise Remaster, and there's rumors of a couple of other games. And we'll obviously get a FIFA Legacy Edition. And people keep saying, well, EA is crazy. Why don't they bring Madden? In EA's latest financial reports, when you look at the football ultimate team and the soccer ultimate teams, or mm. FUT and MUT, yeah. they brought in over a billion dollars to EA. What percentage do you think ultimate team for FIFA on the Switch would have been in that figure? I would estimate it's probably less than 10 million bucks. Mm-hmm. I would which, agree. Yeah. I mean, I get it. $10 million. We're making it sound like it's pennies. But when the other two platforms are bringing in half a billion dollars and the Switch is doing, you know, 1% of that, if I'm EA, I can justify the port of just the game. But if you're not bringing me in money in the long term, I'm not going to do yeah, them anymore. Exactly. That goes back to, you know, what you said before. It, you can justify the port, right? But it's not going to be the A team that's working on the port. It's going to be the C team or the D team. You know what I mean? So what are you actually going to end up getting as the port in the end anyway? And that's that's where it comes back to, you know, resources, time, money, all that stuff. Right. And I think now is a good way to segue into Nintendo's latest release, oh which has been... Had a lot of uh, conversation around it, some interesting discourse, to say the least. And that's Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, the game that... What happened here, Nate? Tell me tell me what happened. What what went wrong here? I want you to tell me, because I'm <laughs> I'm looking at this. I've, I've been playing the game 
I picked it up. I probably played about three or four hours into it. Look, I'll be honest. I've already played it on the Wii. I'm not going to play through the entire game again. I think it's okay, but it's not particularly great as far as what I expected it would be. So what, what do you think went wrong here? I think what went wrong was Nintendo set us a level of expectation with the initial announcement of the game last September. And we expected more from this release than we ended up getting. They showed us this beautiful trailer with the new character models that were completely redone. They went for more of a Xenoblade Chronicle 2 style, more of that anime appearance. And everything they showed in that trailer ended up being a cutscene. So it was at a higher resolution and it looked so crisp. Then the game was getting closer to release and we saw some gameplay videos come out. And when I first saw the comparisons to the Wii version, I kind of took a step back. I hesitated <laughs> because the environments, I was like, okay, this isn't the leap I expected. Something, I'm like, maybe it's YouTube compression. But then I see more of them. And it became very apparent that I know there's a lot of debate of, is this a remake? Is this a remaster? And some say it's a remake. Nintendo themselves in Japan refer to it as a remaster. And I think it's somewhere caught in the middle of a remake remaster, and it ends up being more so an enhanced port, mm -hmm. similar to Twilight Princess HD for the Wii U. Right. Because if you look at the geometry of the world and some of the character models and the environments, they have not changed since the Wii game. Yep. They have better textures. They're at a higher resolution. But from a polygon standpoint, Nintendo did not, or Monolith, did not go back in and improve these models in any meaningful way. So I think the initial pause or, you know, hesitation was due to Nintendo's marketing of showing us these beautiful screenshots and beautiful cinematic. And we thought that's what the game was going to be. We thought we were getting this 100% full-on remake that was going to take this game into the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 engine and go even further than what Xenoblade Chronicles 2 delivered to us in a visual standpoint. And instead, we got a Xenoblade Chronicles 2 resolution and performance, which means it's isn't seven it isn't 1080p it's barely 720p while docked and it never gets to 720p undocked and it just creates a very muddy blurry experience of i mean what i would say is one of the finest jrpgs of the last 20 years but this game deserved a full-on true remake not this half-assed effort yeah I, I agree with you. I, I think it could have gone either one of two ways. But, I, man, I, I totally am with you. I think the resolution thing for me is is very disappointing. And I know that, you know, people will say, well, it looks good on a handheld device and everything. Sure, it, it does, right? But it hasn't really changed. I mean, in 2017, we kind of gave Monolith Soft a pass for the kind of blurriness of the game, the low res, you could you yes. could argue that they were still coming to terms with the hardware and, you know, their next release would be a lot more improved. But here we are. It's been three years. And for all intents and purposes, it's exactly the same. It looks the same. It The resolutions are the same. And in some ways, it's a backward step because... You know, this is a, a port from the Wii. So I think there was an expectation that in general, this game would look a lot sharper, you know, than, than what it does. And I think that's yeah. the big, big disappointment. So whether, you know, Nintendo kind of just showed us what you wanted, what, what they wanted us to see and get us excited for the game. And then when the game dropped, it was like, oh, this game wasn't <laughs> what I thought it would be. It looks like a blurry mess. <laughs> or, you know, they went the route of just taking the Wii version and just basically up it, you know, and and not really adding anything extra to it, just up the game. Because, I mean, there's been really successful ports of games that have come out 
that have been just up res that that look pretty good so it's very disappointing that ultimately the game doesn't look very good and i think it all goes back to the i think it's the torna engine that's being used for this game obviously there is some some scale issues with that engine you know getting that engine to to look and run at a decent level of performance on the switch is obviously something that they've struggled with because i mean look developers aren't aren't you know aren't dummies right they they know exactly what's what's going on like Every developer that worked on the game knows that the resolution is a problem. You know what I mean? But it's ultimately what they can do to make it look better. And again, I feel like that it was something that they were kind of... Their hands were tied slightly because of the engine they had to work with. Now, someone in the comments is going to say, well, why didn't they just port it to Unreal Engine or something something like that? Well, it's not that simple... Because a porting process to Unreal Engine would literally take years to get that port completed. And then once you're on Unreal Engine, it's, well, now we've got to play test this thing and make sure all the things we broke during that porting process work again. So, I mean, that that's like a Metroid Prime 4 level of, of effort that's needed, Ooh. you know, to get a game on a new engine, right? So <laughs> I think in some ways their hands were tied as far as what they could they, they could give us i don't feel like nintendo like misled anyone but ultimately it's it's a very disappointing port and it really just comes down to again you know the engine that they used and and the tools that they had to work with which was which is very you know it's 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 not great um i mean it's not a disaster let's let's be clear i mean the game is reviewing very very well uh high metacritic and look the game is still there and it looks mostly decent but i would say just avoid handheld mode if you can just play the game in dock mode i think that's the best experience you'll get yeah i think that's one of the biggest disappointments is that i think a lot of people have they have a switch light or they wanted to play xenoblade chronicles undocked they want to play in handheld mode and it's just not the prime way to do it you really need to play this game docked which is a problem for someone like me. I play the game on the Wii. I play the game on the 3DS. And if I was going to revisit it for a third time, it would have been in my leisure. It would have been, you know, well, sitting on the couch and just relaxing and playing it in handheld mode. And the fact that it looks so subpar in handheld mode is really disappointing. Now, what is kind of curious is... They have the new content, the Future Connected mm-hmm. epilogue. And even those areas, there was nothing about it that really like wowed me. I've looked at some of the environments. I've compared them to, like in the main game, the Wii version. And they, like, yes, they have been improved. But as Digital Foundry pointed out, just in the opening scene, the Wii has the tree and it blows in the wind. The Switch tree has better leaves but they're static. Yeah. So even in this transition to this new engine, they made compromises in physics and other areas. And it's really just baffling that they went this route with this game. Mm -hmm. I think they should have just committed a 100% remake effort to it. Give it the time it needed. Cause this, this doesn't feel like they had passion behind it. Yeah. This felt like they gave it to their C team who did their best in the time they were allotted. And I mean, this is the product we ended up getting. And again, it's it's still a great game. It's just disappointing that this is the game Nintendo brings to a retail release for $60. And it's not a 100. It's not the effort you would expect, especially from a publisher like Nintendo. If this is what they're putting out for a full release and they call this a definitive edition, it's kind of, yeah. you know, it it leaves you wondering of if you're going to critique other publishers who put out a definitive edition for $30 or 40 bucks who have put in a lot more effort. Like we can look at 2K with the Mafia 1 remake, Mm -hmm. which looks absolutely amazing. They it appears they put in time and effort. They did not put time and effort into the Mafia 2 Definitive Edition. That game is broken. <laughs> yeah, right. 
but they also didn't ask $60 for it. Whereas Nintendo, yeah, I mean, Nintendo funded this. Nintendo clearly did not put a lot of money into this effort here. And it almost feels like they just sat there and said, we're going to need a game for the summer of 2020. We're going to put in as little money as possible because we know we'll probably make it back. And I mean, I understand Xenoblade is a niche series. It's not going to sell 5 million copies. If this game sells 2 million copies, it'll be a good day for it. So you're not going to invest a lot of money into it because you're simply not going to make a lot of money back. But if you're going to go this low effort with the release, is it even worth doing? Yeah, like I think it's interesting that if you think about putting the disc of the Wii version into a Wii U and playing it on a Wii U, it would up-res the game to 1080. And I don't know if anyone did comparisons with that, (laughs) but you see what I'm getting at? Like if you take the Wii version and play it on the Wii U, which would, which would just natively upscale it. Or um, if you played it on an emulator like Dolphin, it ultimately would end up looking better than, than the, the switch version, which is it's, that's not the way things should be ultimately. And I think that's my biggest beef with, with the game. You know, I, again, I have nothing wrong with the release. I, I you know, I think the release is great. I'm, I'm very excited to see it on the switch. I just am very disappointed at what we got as a final product. And, you know, people are going to say, Oh, it's going to get patched. Well, I mean, the problem guys is that Xenoblade Chronicles two never got the patches. It got, it got a patch. I think that kind of helped somewhat but for all intents and purposes it's pretty much the same it's the same engine that has the same configuration files you know it it possesses the same quirks as as Xenoblade Chronicles 2 albeit with the um the TAA kind of filter that's been it's been because it was really kind of sharp and blurry on on the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 it's been tweaked slightly for the Xenoblade Chronicles definitive edition but other than that, I mean, the engines are exactly the same. So, you know, if you're expecting to see a massive patch that just fixes these problems, I, I don't think it's it's coming, unfortunately. And I think ultimately, you know, disappointing from a technical standpoint, like you said, probably one of the best JRPGs that have been been released in, in a long, long time. I fully agree with that. But yeah, as, as, a, as a port, or as a game, I'm not that that impressed with it. You know, I, I think maybe it will look better on whatever comes next for the Switch if there is indeed a an updated Switch that that comes in the next couple of years. You know, that game will hopefully just natively scale over to that to that new version a lot better. And you know, maybe that is the vision that they they had that they just couldn't get with with the current you know iteration of the Switch hardware. I mean, do you think it would have maybe been wiser for them to not bring Xenoblade Chronicles into Xenoblade Chronicle 2 engine and just do a Dolphin or Twilight Princess type up-res? I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I, I think there's probably people that don't agree with that, but I would say, yeah, just, just just natively upscale the game or up, upscale the game. Like the game on the Wii... It still looks pretty good. There's nothing wrong with the way it looks. Sure, it looks a little dated. It's a little stiff, you know, the the way that the, the characters move and everything. But if you just take that blueprint and upscale it and add some nice post-processing effects to it, I think that would go a long way, you know, to, to making this game look and play a lot better than, than what we have. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that because I've seen the dolphin footage and, I mean, some of those terrain environments look amazing in it. I mean, and that's still just the Wii game being up and you can just look and say, wow. I I mean, I would I could understand that some people would have been disappointed if Nintendo went that route mm-hmm. and charged us $60 for it, but there's no, there's really no reason that this game had to be a $60 you know, full retail release. It was really Nintendo's way of just justifying releasing the game with the new content and saying, we know we can charge a premium and people are going to buy it. This game could have been $40 even with the epilogue attached to it. And it probably would sell the exact same numbers, maybe even a little more because it'd be discounted. Because like when I looked at it, it's a, it was a tough buy for me because 
I really only wanted to play the epilogue. Right. $60 for a 15 to 20 hour RPG isn't bad by any means, but I'm also leaving 60 hours worth of content, you know, off to the side. Had they released the epilogue as a standalone release for, we'll say, $29.99, I would have purchased that as its own thing. If you want to put that in the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 engine, by all means do it. But I think they should have left the original game alone just did the up res similar to twilight princess hd again and i think we would have had better results we would have actually had a 720p native undocked experience we would have had 1080p docked instead of this dynamic resolution that very seldom yeah it's even 720p well docked i think that's the problem that is the most distracting for me is based on what i've i've seen and I've done gameplay captures and, and I've analyzed footage and stuff that I've, I've played of the game pretty closely. The dynamic resolution just kicks in all the time. It just, it kind of goes a little nutty sometimes the way it just, you know, drops res and then brings it back up. And there's like, there's one cutscene that, that in particular that I was watching where you could see the background visibly just like blurring in and out and you could tell it was just changing resolution, you know? So they're being very aggressive with that dynamic resolution switching. They're, they're trying to lock the game at 30, which is totally fine. I mean, it's, it's a smooth overall performance, but they're just relying so heavily on the dynamic res thing to, to keep the game steady at 30. And it's really kind of detracting and taking away from the actual experience. Yeah, that's... I'd say out of all the ports that we've seen this week, I'd say Xenoblade is probably... Not even ports, we'll say releases, because I know someone's going to get mad that we called it a port. <laughs> all the releases we saw this week, I'd have to say that Xenoblade is probably the bottom tier in terms of overall yeah. technical, you know, performance and such. And I mean, it's, that's pretty disappointing when we have to put a Nintendo published game from one of their prestigious first party developers at the bottom of a release of a release list when it comes to, mm-hmm. you know, technical output. So I have a question. So virtuos, <laughs> I want to go back to that real quick. They're, they're saying that they can pretty much do anything. And look, I'm not one to, to say that they can't. I, I think they can. You know, given Again, given the right amount of budget, time and resources, yes, I think they can do anything. But my question to you, Nate, is what do you think is actually achievable with current generation games? Let's say, let's say on the table was Red Dead 2, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Shadows of the Tomb Raider, and we already talked about GTA 5, so I'll, I'll leave that one alone. But out of those three games, do you think it's actually possible to bring those three, any of those three games to the Switch? Yes. I believe that if Square felt the need, they could bring Shadow of the Tomb Raider to Switch. Because that game, it is visually impressive. But I don't see any reason that the game couldn't come to Switch at a 720p resolution for docked mode, maybe even a little higher. You just, you know, you cut down some of those special lighting effects and such. But Shadow of the Tomb Raider, definitely. Red Dead Redemption 2 would definitely require substantial investment in time and in time investment from Rockstar. I think they could get it there. It's not going to be the Red Dead Redemption 2 that we have come to know and love on PS4 and the Xbox One, but I think they could, they could get it there. It would just need some fairly significant compromises in visuals, you know, draw distance, and you know, details like that. But it could happen. Final Fantasy VII remake, absolutely not. I don't see that happening in any way, shape, or form on the Switch. Simply because, I mean, we look at the game even on the PS4. There's some muddy textures. It's low resolution in some spots. The performance isn't, you know, rock perfect. There are some fluctuations. And if you're going to transition that to the Switch, even with compromises, because, I mean, it's Unreal Engine 4, and look at some of the more recent Unreal Engine 4 games on the Switch. Even Nintendo's own games using Unreal Engine 4, like Yoshi's Crafted World. Mm -hmm. It was sub-HD. So... Final Fantasy VII, it wouldn't be the Final Fantasy VII remake that we know. Mm-hmm. It would be something completely different. And I think the form we would get it in 
at that point. It wouldn't even be Final Fantasy VII Remake at that point. And it's just, it's a case they could probably get the game running on Switch. It would just be at a horrific yeah. resolution and a completely unstable, unplayable frame rate at the point where you'd say, okay, we tried the test. No. Yeah. Yeah, if you go back to the Virtuous article, I mean, it's it's more than apparent that the biggest struggles to porting to the Switch is the memory limitations and the storage limitations. Sure, I mean, we know about the Tegra X1 SoC and the NVIDIA hardware and all that stuff. But I think, you know, what I'm reading is kind of the, the common thing. If you go back and read the technical details on how Saber pulled off the Witcher port and how Virtuos you know, did the XCOM 2 port, it was really all about how can we fit this game and make it run in, you know, 3.2 gigabytes of, of memory? What do we need to cut? And, you know, they, they talk about they spent half a year just to optimize memory and make some hard decisions about what they could they could get rid of. I think ultimately, you know, again, talking about what's next for the Switch, I think, you know, if you ask developers, what would you like to see as something to to bring into the next generation or to the next iteration of the hardware i would say a lot of them would be probably looking for more memory and more storage space because final fantasy 7 remake obviously is a massive game and it's just not going to cut it on either you know the cartridge limitations that we have to deal with today the 32 gigabytes of internal flash well that's not going to work and then you've got only four gigabytes of RAM, which means that it's going to be very difficult to pull something like that off. So I, I, I agree. I think, I think nothing is impossible, and you know we need to be we need to be clear on that. I mean, there are very smart developers, development studios, porting houses, whatever you want to call them, that are out there that do this stuff and they do it very well. But I do think that you know it's going to be one of those things where it's going to get more difficult as time goes on you know the the 360 era ports yes absolutely that's kind of bread and butter stuff and i think we're going to see a lot more of those over the next 12 to 18 months but like you said the the current gen ports even though technically they are achievable i think it is a lot more difficult to to get something like that going on the switch for sure yeah any current gen stuff as you said, it is achievable on the Switch. It really just comes down to what is the state of the game when it comes to the Switch. Is it in a state that they can look at it and say, we can release this? Or is it in such a poor state where the publisher just has to chalk up the losses and say, we would love to bring such and such to Switch, but we've done internal testing. The resolution isn't up to snuff or... Maybe the frame rate just isn't stable enough to where we feel comfortable with releasing it. Unfortunately, we can't do it, which, you know, I'd rather see that from a publisher where they admit that they cannot bring a game to the platform due to some performance issues than for them to bring it and leave the consumer with a shoddy product where we hopefully get patches to get it to a point of playability. So, you know, maybe a little transparency if I'm a publisher and I see all those demands for such and such a game like if i'm rockstar and i see everyone asking about red dead redemption 2 if i have done an internal test maybe come out and say hey we tried to prototype it it didn't run as well as we would like sorry yeah and people would finally stop asking about it and we'd have an answer as to why it's not there and we can move on to the next game so i mean the switch still has a long life ahead of it it's still going to get some current gen you know releases Specifically, you know, we'll still see games using Unreal Engine 4, some Unreal Engine 3 games even, and those will likely get ported to the Switch as long as they're not to the scale and magnitude of a Kingdom Hearts 3 or Final Fantasy 7 remake. So, I mean, this isn't like a cause of concern or anything of the sort, but I would look at the comments by like Virtuos and Saber and temper expectation a bit. We're mm. not going to get you know cyberpunk on switch anytime soon just like just because we got the witcher 3 does not mean cyberpunk is a locked in deal we have to expect things in you know we have to expect them in reality they're going to be 
some quality releases, but we can't hope for every major release to come to the platform. It's simply not going to happen. And nothing about these interviews should change that fact. Yeah, and you got to remember that they're always selling, right? Like if yes. you're doing an article and you're you're saying how you're the best porting studio in the world, I mean, you're basically telling potential publishers, you know, bring your stuff to us because we can, we can get the job done for you. We'll charge you a couple of million and we'll give you a quality product. So, you know, they're, they're, selling, they're selling their services as well. So we, we have to keep that in mind. Exactly. And that's kind of what that interview read as. It's, hey, we can do anything. So if you're, you know, big publisher and you're thinking about bringing your title to the Switch, maybe contact us because yep. we said we can do any game. So that includes yours. So, you know, let's... It's, you know, we're nearing June, the time of when E3 2020 would have taken place. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of Switch announcements over the next month or so. So let's see what those major publishers have in store for us. And, you know, for now, we can wait patiently to see what the Sabre have in their holster aside from World War Z and Crisis, because those are <laughs> two big projects. And if they have something bigger, you know, lock and loaded in their development house, It'll be curious as to what they think is going to get people really excited about. Yep, absolutely. And that will conclude today's episode of Nate the Hate. I want to thank NVG for joining me as always. Thanks for having me on. Next week, we will be back with some PlayStation 5 events. Oh, boy. Get ready. Next week is going to be, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> Next week will be a fun week for everyone involved in the industry, consumers, developers, journalists, YouTubers. So next week is definitely going to be fun. If you enjoyed this video, give it a like. If you didn't, give it a dislike. Let us know your thoughts on the topic in the comment section below. And until next time, continue to always and forever embracing the hate. <laughs>